Welcome to the Cocky Ride Home for Thursday, September 17th, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Some tips for tricking the algorithms and having a more neutral social media feed. Scientists have discovered a possible way to prevent motion sickness. The Norwegian concept of friluftsliv and how it could be just what we need this winter. And the latest installments in the sad saga of Chuck E. Cheese versus the pandemic. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Alright, so it's no secret that we all exist in online filter bubbles, getting ever stronger by unchecked algorithms and increasingly affecting not only our polarized perceptions of the world, but also our mental health and the state of the world. I mean, heck, it's gotten so bad that firefighters are literally taking to TikTok to debunk conspiracy theories about the fires in Oregon. Link in the show notes. We all know it's a problem, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably someone who's very thoughtful and likes learning new things and is therefore concerned about this phenomenon in one way or another. And while there are certainly more drastic actions we could take, like quitting social media altogether or trying to take action against the trend on a broad legislative scale, but one of the most immediate individual things that we can do is take stock of our own personal social media feeds. Wired has some great tips on this, and maybe some of them are things you actively already do or have done before, but I think it's always good to check in regularly on your social media diet and make sure you're still feeling comfortable with what you're consuming. You know, especially in this era of doom scrolling, a lot of us may go to social media to find comfort in some way, which often translates to seeing our own opinions reflected back at us from like-minded individuals, creating an echo chamber. And while that may indeed be comforting, it's not the best use of social media if you're a curious person who wants to keep abreast of multiple perspectives and have an accurate read of what's going on in the world. So, here are some tips to fight back against the algorithms and attempt to have less of an echo chamber in your feed. Wired recommends liking literally every post, because if you like everything, then the algorithm won't know what to do with you. Now, that's fairly solid reasoning, but I have to add that liking is not a zero-sum game. You know, what if someone sees that you liked something that was in poor taste? What about liking the posts of someone you know that, for whatever reason, is going to cause some type of social weirdness? You know, like we all have that friend who uses your interaction with their social media as an excuse to then reach out and ask you for something... I mean, sure, liking every post may make it tough for the algorithm to categorize you, but think about your real-life social consequences before trying this strategy. Now, the next tip is to follow prestige media from all sides. You may not like certain outlets or agree with their bias, but it's not so much about necessarily reading what those outlets have to say as it is, quote, A profile searching for the National Review and The New Yorker means you'll keep your newsfeed clear of the most polarizing stories published by trolls on both the right and the left who are out to influence and incite anger rather than inform, end quote. So again, it's about making it more difficult for the algorithms to categorize you and therefore feed you even more extremely biased posts. The next tip is part and parcel with general media literacy. You should pay attention to the behavior and credentials of the person that you're reading something from. Specifically, Wired says to note how many accounts they're following. Quoting again, Lerman's research revealed that individuals who have a great disparity between their amount of followers and the number of people they follow themselves often acquire outsized influence on social media. 
Be cognizant of friends who post frequently but follow few others, and consider muting their accounts if they appear to engage with only like-minded thinkers. End quote. Another tip is one that I particularly endorse and which I will never not be salty about. Organizing your feed by chronology instead of whatever recommended order the algorithm wants you to. Now, not all platforms even allow the chronological order anymore, and all the major ones use recommended as a default, so you do have to go hunting for it in your settings, but it does exist on Twitter and Facebook. You can sort by recent. If you haven't done this, there are probably tons of accounts you follow that have been regularly posting and you haven't seen them on your feed in ages. It can be kind of shocking when you turn it on for the first time. And finally, consider temporarily muting people who share your perspective. That will make room for the algorithm to suggest other people or accounts to follow that may be a bit different. And of course, you can always actively go follow people with different worldviews than you yourself. I especially encourage this if you live in a particularly homogenous town or community. If following people who are different than you, with different life experiences than you on social media can give you an inside look at how they engage with the world and will definitely bring up things you'd never considered before. Listen, it's a lot of work to fight against the algorithms and try to be a responsible, knowledgeable person on the internet, but it has never been more worth it. As someone who experiences motion sickness, I've figured out a lot of coping mechanisms over the years. Sitting in the front seat instead of the back, or ideally just being the driver, chewing mint gum, sipping ginger ale, eating salt and vinegar chips, that's a new one I discovered, wearing one of those C-band bracelet things, taking some Dramamine, and never, ever reading or even looking too much at my phone. But scientists at the University of Warwick say they've found something that can reduce motion sickness in people by over 50%. Some Basic Visual-Spatial Exercises The study, published recently in the journal Applied Ergonomics, tested participants both in real cars and using a simulator and surveyed them for initial symptoms. Then they were instructed on some brain exercises, like looking at a pattern of boxes and trying to match them with rotated versions, as well as some paper-folding tasks. And they were instructed to do these once a day in 15-minute installments for two weeks. After that, they were given another assessment, and it was found that motion sickness had reduced by 51% in the simulator and 58% in the car. As self-driving cars enter the market, there's a greater concern about the one in three people who experience motion sickness, and who therefore may never want to own a self-driving car. It's also a growing concern when it comes to virtual reality, because many people who experience motion sickness on some type of transportation also experience it when using a VR headset. And it's these precise concerns that the team from Warwick is hoping to address. Dr. Joseph Smith from the University of Warwick said, quote, I hope that in the future we can optimize the training into a short, highly impactful method. Imagine if when someone is waiting for a test drive in a new autonomous vehicle, they could sit in the showroom and do some brain training puzzles on a tablet before going out in the car, therefore reducing their risk of sickness. It's also very likely this method can be used in other domains, such as seasickness for Navy staff or cruise passengers, and we're particularly excited about applying this new finding to virtual reality headset use, end quote. And the team included some of the visuospatial brain exercises in the published paper, so I honestly might try doing them ahead of my next road trip just to see if it works. I mean, this could seriously be a game changer if it's true. Like, imagine reading on a bus or a train! Wow, what a life. 
Imagine if your favorite casino came with an undo button. That's exactly what you get with FanDuel Casino's Play It Again. Get up to $1,000 back if you're down after your first day. Play your favorite table games in hundreds of slots for real cash. And see for yourself why FanDuel Casino is the number one rated online casino app. Explore daily and weekly promotions. Play with live dealers. And if you ever have a question, our best-in-class customer support team is here to help 24-7. Sign up for FanDuel Casino at FanDuel.com PA3 today and play it again with up to $1,000 back if you're down after your first day. 21 plus and present in Pennsylvania. Must not have previously placed any wager on FanDuel Sportsbook, FanDuel Casino, Betfair Casino, Mohegan Sun Casino, or Stardust Casino. Refund issued as non-withdrawable casino online site credit that expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com casino. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG. You may have heard of HYGGE, H-Y-G-G-E, the Scandinavian concept of warmth and coziness that's especially common with Instagram influencers, and also really rose in popularity as we all hunkered down this past spring. But there's another Scandinavian term we may find useful as winter approaches, and many of us will inevitably still be in various states of lockdown. Now, yes, Hugga is ready-made for cozy winter evenings, but as we all know by this point, staying indoors for an extended period of time with people who are not in your pod is ill-advised. And this has been relatively fine so far in the warmer spring and summer months, although some places, of course, were too hot and now others have terrible air quality. But overall, things like outdoor dining, outdoor meetings, workouts, parties, and forms of recreation have all seen a huge rise. If you're like me and my friends who've enjoyed many a patio and garden get-together this summer, you may be wondering how you're going to cope with some colder weather. My friends and I have seriously talked about pooling together to buy an outdoor heater that we'd install at the friend's house with the best patio. And if you've been considering that too, I recommend pulling the trigger because I am sure that those are going to be the next major item that sells out and is impossible to find. But anyways, for anyone who's been thinking in that direction about how to continue all of these outdoor activities and social times when it gets cold, you can try training your mind to think of it as friluftsliv. Hailing specifically from Norway, but popular throughout Scandinavia, friluftsliv basically means open-air living. It's an appreciation for the outdoors, but also kind of an overall approach to life and a commitment to spending time outdoors regardless of the weather. Quoting National Geographic, Friluftsliv is more than just an activity. It's a kind of lifestyle, says Lasse Heimdahl, Secretary General of Norsk's Friluftsliv, an organization representing 5,000 outdoor groups in Norway. It's very tied to our culture and what it means to be Norwegian. Norwegian playwright Henrik Ibsen is generally credited with inventing the term in the 1859 poem On the Heights, which recounts a farmer's year-long trek through the wilderness. By the end of the poem, the protagonist ditches civilization for good. But Heimdall says Friluftsliv isn't just for hardcore athletes and intrepid explorers. Friluftsliv can also mean long strolls with friends, picnics, a leisurely afternoon bike ride, or walking the dog on a chilly morning. There's even a special word, utapils, for drinking a beer outdoors. End quote. I like that one. Utapils is one of my favorite activities. Now, in some ways, it's not surprising, and in other ways, it's fairly remarkable that a nation with such rainy, snowy, and dark weather can find joy and happiness in weather that brings many people down. Quoting again, Complain to a Norwegian about the weather, and you'll likely hear a cheery refrain, There's no bad weather, only bad clothing. In Norwegian, it rhymes. Locals have more than long johns and wool hats to protect them against the elements, however. They also have what Stanford University health psychologist Carrie Leibowitz calls positive wintertime mindset, end quote. 
Leibowitz points out that despite the reality of seasonal depressive disorder, especially in high-latitude places that get very little sunlight for months on end, Norway is actually one of the happiest nations in the world. And Leibowitz thinks it has a lot to do with their mindset of finding the good in nature and being outdoors, even when it's snowy or wet. In addition to simply having that optimistic mindset, many studies over the years have shown the positive benefits of nature in helping treat grief, depression, and PTSD. Leibowitz, as well as Oliver Luke Delory, author of the book Friluftsliv, Connect with Nature the Norwegian Way, recommend trying out Friluftsliv this winter. You can start small by just thinking of one thing you appreciate about winter. But then try things like having an outdoor picnic and intentionally going for walks on blustery days. Delory notes in the book that you can think of it as, I'm going Friluftsliving. Just thinking of it as a thing that you're doing by choice instead of because you're forced to can turn it into a fun, positive experience. So here's a bit of a weird one. Chuck E. Cheese has 7 billion paper tickets that they need to get rid of. And because they recently filed for bankruptcy, they have to ask permission from the government before they do so, because it will cost money to destroy the tickets. A lot of money. More on that in a sec. So the reason they have a backlog of so many prize tickets is because, first, shutdowns meant that they weren't giving out tickets anywhere, and then when some Chuck E. Cheese entertainment venues reopened, they had shifted to e-tickets and other touchless experiences to cut down on possible transmission of the coronavirus. And now, Chuck E. Cheese's lawyers have calculated that it will cost less money to destroy the tickets than to keep them. Even though the price tag on destroying them is $2.3 million, that's still a million less dollars than it would cost to have the tickets distributed to all the restaurants. And furthermore, quoting Food & Wine, since prize tickets are redeemable by guests at significantly higher value than the cost of prize tickets, the debtors believe it is in the best interests of the estates to mitigate any risk of these tickets being circulated to the general public, CEC Entertainment's attorneys said in a court filing. If all 7 billion of those Rat Logo tickets were cashed in at its prize counters, they could be redeemed for about $9 million worth of prizes. That's a lot of generic Nerf footballs, end quote. And by the way, in case you're having trouble imagining what 7 billion prize tickets look like, it's enough to fill 65 40-foot cargo shipping containers. Yeah, Chuck E. Cheese has not been having an easy go of things during the pandemic. Quoting AV Club's The Takeout, It entered the pandemic in March with nearly $1 billion in debt, became a neighborhood pizza and wing joint, declared bankruptcy in June, and recently secured $200 million from investors so that it could continue to seek a buyer for its ailing children's entertainment empire, end quote. And if you're curious about that neighborhood pizza and wing joint thing, I did a segment on the May 20th episode of this podcast all about Pasquale's pizza and wings, as well as the kind of sad origin story of poor, orphaned Chuck Entertainment Cheese. The judges will be deciding soon if Chuck E. Cheese is indeed allowed to spend the money to destroy the paper prize tickets, but in the meantime, if you want more of your Chuck E. Cheese fix, since you probably won't be getting it from the prize tickets either way, you can go have a listen to that old May 20th episode. Mm -hmm. 
That is all for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kaki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I'm going to go pick up some wings from Pasquale's. I hope you have a good rest of your day, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow.